All right, welcome to episode 17 of APS Radio. I am Jim Bernica, and I am joined today by Dr. Mindy O's. Good afternoon. Hello. How are you? I'm I'm good. I'm good. It's Minda. It's Minda. <laughs> Listen to you. <laughs> it's Minda. It just turned. It just turned afternoon for you. Yeah. It's yeah. mid afternoon here for me because Minda's joining us here from Las Vegas. Yes. And I am in Exotic Beaver Creek, Ohio. Nice and warm and ready for your bathing suit weather. Oh yeah, clearly. Well, maybe tomorrow because it's Ohio spring, so you never know. It you never changes know. every day. Now you first came on my radar actually for my wife. Oh. Do you know that? Because she ended up. No. You didn't know that. I'm just telling you. No. Just breaking no. news. Breaking. She ended up oh, getting yeah. fully involved. Your first book. Yes. So uh, just to kind of get perspective of kind of the stuff that I go through. So why don't we even jump into your background before you got to where you're actually writing about it? Yeah. Because you so, started medic, right? Yeah, I was. Well, I was an EMT um, on a private ambulance uh, for five years. And then I also worked in an ER as an ER tech. And um, that's how I met my husband. He was a medic for the local fire department. So we would run calls together. So that's where we met and we started dating. We've been together 27 years, married 25 which, you know, in this career is, is a hard thing to accomplish. But my, so I stayed home with the kids for 12 years, raising kids. My husband was doing his career, climbing the ladder and he's on, he was on an incident management team. So he would go to all the big fires in when we lived in California, right? So he was gone all summer. And I started going to school because I needed something to do with myself. And I thought, what do I want to do? So I really, really like counseling um, and, you know, helping others and stuff like that, helping them deal with stuff. And then I wanted to work with first responders because being a first responder myself, I had calls that I still have today that, you know, they don't go anywhere. And sometimes they're triggered by a movie. Sometimes they're triggered by a smell or something that I see. Um, So I was like, we need to talk about this more. I want to help with this. But then when I started doing this, how the book came about was I had been teaching and doing, I do uh, critical incident debriefs and I had gone out to Bakersfield. Um, There was a big fire and some firefighters lost homes and it was just a lot going on. And I was talking and doing a debrief and I started talking about, now when you go home, how are you going to talk about what's going on with this incident to your family? And a lot of people were like, well, we don't, we don't talk about that to our family. <laughs> we, we, don't, we don't bring that home. And I was like, uh, yeah, you actually do bring it home. You just aren't talking about it. So I, I jokingly was like, okay, let me take my therapist hat on and put my wife hat. So I started explaining some of the things that my husband and I had struggled with. And there was two guys all the way in the very back. And they started holding up their phone. And I, w- I thought, well, I think they're recording me. So afterwards, they came running up, a couple people came running up and they were just like, I had to record you. I didn't video, I just voice recorded you because I swear you were in my house this morning because it was verbatim what my wife says. And it was literally at that moment, I thought, I think we're fighting about all the same things in first responder families, but no one told us, you know, how to do this. So I was like, let me write a, a book. I feel like if we can help some of the younger generations not make some of the mistakes we all made with 
the job and the fighting and the, you know, just the misunderstandings of the career. Absolutely. And, and it was, I know my wife got a lot for, from it. Um, it's, it's interesting with her and I don't want to make this about her, but she knew me beforehand and then she's seen me, you know, in this job mm-hmm. over the years. And, you know, it's interesting getting her perspective about things uh, regarding this stuff, but that's all different. That's a whole different podcast for a whole different time. <laughs> yeah. But, but what, what actually brought me here today with you was, you know, I saw a post and it's been several months ago, but I saw that you were coming out with a new book and it, that were that book the fully involved that wasn't really it's for me that was for my wife but this book i was like this is important because i'm at that point mm-hmm. to where this this is meaningful and I'm, I'm also in a point in which um well, i should probably actually just say what the title is what it is it's in this so when the call stops there's yep. a nice little and it's all about retiring as a first responder yeah so i'm in the you know not a lot of time left counting down. I have a calendar, just like most people, a little uh, clock that's telling clock. me on my phone, <laughs> you know, but I'm also dealing with it um, being as far as that, you know, being peer support coordinator and wellness guy, like I'm seeing uh, these firefighters leave and a lot of them are conflicted and a lot of them are having mm-hmm. issues. And, you know, I've even talked to them after they retire and, um, it's not necessarily what they thought it was going to be. So if you don't mind, I want to just kind of dive in the book. I don't want to like cover the whole book because I want everybody to actually go out and read it. Yes. But, but um, we'll just hit a few subjects if that's okay with you. Sounds good. So let's talk about just preparing for retirement. You know, when should you actually really go, all right, this is a thing. Like we need to be prepared. Also knowing that, in the back of your mind with what we do, you know, our job could end any time now yep. from, from injury or illness. And that's so, what I say. It's like, you guys are professional athletes, right? You train like it, you work like it, and you could have a career ending injury any day that you show up could be the last day. Um, <clears throat> and you know, the reason I wrote the book was watching my husband right now. You said, when's the right time? You know, really day one is when the right time is because that's how you set up your, your PERS and your retirements and your deferred comps and your 401ks and all those things. Because as first responders, one of the nice things, the positives is you guys can work a ton of overtime and make a lot of extra money. You can make a whole salary for us if we wanted to stay home. The problem is, is a lot of first responders get addicted to living off of overtime. And when you retire, you don't get overtime, right? It's base salary. So you got to know, you know, you've got to save money so you can, if you want to live better than just base salary. So you need to start figuring that stuff out. Um, in the book, even one of the guys, Steve talked about, <clears throat> he wished he to put like half of his overtime in deferred comp every time he took an overtime. But I mean, theoretically, though, you know, that little you said that clock on your phone, it's in the book where I talk about my husband uh, having it on his phone and he hit zero. Right. And so I was like, oh, okay, now what are you going to do? And he's like, well, I don't know. It just feels good that I hit zero. And uh, mama, I think I'm going to keep working. I still can do the job. I said, all right, well, when are you going to retire? He says, well, 
we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And that's the line I heard for four years. We'll cross that bridge when we get to it. And so, you know, it became crunch time for us. And so I think a lot of first responders do that. I think that they, uh, you guys talk, I mean, come on, you guys talk about from the day you get hired, you guys brag and, and dream about retirement. Ah, I could just leave this place any day. <laughs> I could just, I could pack up my stuff and leave and never look back. And that's just not the reality of it. So when it comes time, they've not mentally prepared or prepared what they're going to do after because you guys can retire early. Yeah. Yeah. Oh yeah. I mean, a lot of times it's 25 years. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're retired and people can retire before they're 50 years old. Mm -hmm. That's a whole nother career. Yeah. And then a lot of them are going to retire so they can work somewhere else. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's a, we're in an interesting profession, but um, I kind of, with your husband, Jeff, you know, his idea of, I hit my time. You know, if I want to stay, I could stay. And, you know, if I feel good, and he wanted to stay like, mm-hmm. and that's for me, I think a lot of us out there, like, I want to hit that goal, but I want to make sure I'm in a good position financially to where if I want to leave, I could, because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of us are dependent on like a drop program or st- we have to stay, we have to get our kids, you know, through college, whatever it may be. There's some, it's a reason all the time. There's never truly a right time. Mm-hmm. Um, and the kind of with the injury and the illness that you're really gambling. Yeah, you really are. My husband, thank goodness, knock on wood. Um, he did not, he's never really been injured on the job, which, you know, I mean, that rarely happens. And so, you know, and I break that down in the book where there's three ways to retire. It's lifer, um, a medical retirement or PTSD. And, um, you know, again, you're right. My husband used to say, oh, two bad shifts. That's all it'll take. But when it came time, when we were talking about moving, he really, really struggled with the idea. Uh, I mean, we had several breakdowns, emotional breakdowns that he had to just to let go of 30. He did 34 years and walk away. He doesn't miss the place or the job. He misses the people. That's all he misses. I I knew you were going to say that. Yeah. That's what everybody says. Yes. Yeah. Um, So I've had a little bit of a preview about retirement. I'm still working, but I've gone from working, you know, 24, 40 hour shift. Now I'm a 40 hour guy Mm -hmm. and my wife is a 40 hour position and my kids go to school. So we're basically, if we're off, we're all off. So (laughs) you're laughing. So I am. So we've gotten to where, um, you know, she was used to me being on shift and having her time and doing her thing and watching her shows. And I was used to, you know, being off in the mornings and you know, everybody's gone and I could do whatever I want. I, we both had freedom and now yeah. we don't have any freedom and we smother each other. So it is a, it is a sneak preview of what retirement looks uh-huh. like. Yeah, it is. And that was honestly my biggest fear. And I talk about it in the book where I didn't, as a spouse, I didn't want to see like nothing ever made me happy because all of us spouses complain or significant others, families, we complain that you guys work too much. You're never home. You don't help with the kids, but somewhere in there, we figure it out. Right. And we just get a rhythm and then you guys retire and then you're 
around all the time. You have your opinions all the time. You of how you want to do things or how you think we should do things. So I was really terrified about that. Um, I did not want to become his new hobby. And you're right. I, I had to start taking Wednesdays off in the middle of the week just so that I could have that quiet time that's mine to do whatever I wanted because I really did not appreciate when you're in the midst of it, how much I really did enjoy that quiet time with whether it be just with myself or just me and the kids. That kind of, uh, if you don't mind, I want you to touch on your work brain and your home mm. brain. Yeah. Because work- that, uh, if you would describe what that is, but then how that still, even when you're retired, mm-hmm. it doesn't go away. Yeah. So yeah, I explain it like work brain, home brain, you know, is work brain is adrenaline filled, right? It's because you're on the job. The minute you put the uniform on, you've trained your brain and your body and you get in this mode. Work brain is, you know, it's more accelerated than the average person. It's way up here, way up top, you know, with all the adrenaline. Now, when you're in adrenaline for 24, 48 hour shifts, um, you are task driven, you're operational, you're not emotional, you kind of check your emotions and you go to work. And, you know, it's part of why you guys all have so much fun and joking and laughing because that's the adrenaline. It makes you more energetic. It makes you more focused and humorous and all those things. But, and then there's home brain. And I, what I explain is, is work brain is like, it's like a drug and you all are on it. So you all think you're all normal. And everything you guys do, it's normal. Takes the body 18 to 24 hours to come down off of work brain and to expel all of the adrenaline and the cortisol and the hormones that are produced for you to be in that state. So when you guys walk in the door, one of the mistakes we make as family and spouses is we expect our husbands, wives, mothers, fathers to walk through the door, but it's the first responder still walking in the door that has no emotions, that's operational. Uh, that's just, you know, coming in and we all want to tell them about what we've been doing or, you know, what's been going on or what, what the day looks like. We have stories and, you know, my husband used to always be like, Hey, let's get to the end of the story. What is it that you need from me? (laughs) What do you, what do you, what do you need from me? You know? And I was always so hurt and it seemed like he was never happy being home, but it was the crash off of work brain. So day one, I always tell Um, families and significant others as well as the first responder is day one is kind of a crapshoot you don't know if you're going to be up to go do something maybe you have tons of energy but day one is your transition coming off of work brain and you're still operational and it's hard to integrate back into your family with that so when retirement happens lots of people are like once I leave you know I'm gonna leave all that behind you don't you think about you did 25, 30 years, right? You've already trained in muscle memory. You've already trained your brain how to operate in that state of mind. So getting out of it permanently is a process. It's not just the minute you leave and turn in your gear and go home. It's a, it's a process. And, you know, like what I've watched my husband do is you guys are used to two speeds. You go or you stop. There's no middle in there. There's no second or third gear. And watching my husband try to navigate that, he's called the doctor like four times. He thinks something's wrong with him because he feels so weird. He feels so off. 
um, he feels like in such a uncomfortable state because he's not used to this middle ground. So it takes a little bit for work brain to come for you to come off of work brain. The other thing that first responders don't realize is that when you leave and you come out of work brain, all those calls that you did not process or deal with, your body's like, oh, cool. We've been out of work brain for long enough. Let's start unpacking these. And so it will just start kicking calls out that you thought you forgot about. That you're like, I've had guys come in and say, this call was 25 years ago and I'm having nightmares about it. Why? It's because you slowed down long enough. That's why. That's uh, I've heard that as well, that that is an issue. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, the stuff comes out of blue and it's all the stuff that we just bury and we mm -hmm. just swallow down and uh, we think that it's gone. It's never coming back. And then, like you said, you slow down enough and it shows up. Yeah. And I think we had a big crisis coming because, you know, all over the nation, we had that big hiring freeze in 2009-ish era. era. And so we have this big gap. And so we've got all these new kids coming on. They're all young. But we're going to have a mass exodus here pretty soon in the next like one to five years where a lot of your retirees are going to start leaving. And they, those people, 10 years and, and more, 10 plus years, you came from the suck it up generation. You came from the rub some dirt on it. So those, that generation has got so much to unpack. And that's what I'm really fearful of is that they've not been around long enough and the departments don't have enough mental health programs going for them to have learned enough skills, I think, to deal with it on their own. Yeah, that's, I can see it. I, yeah, I'm, I'm of that generation and I mm -hmm. see how it is now where it's finally that stigma is going away and we're actually able to talk about this. Mm -hmm. But yeah, my age and older, definitely. That, yeah. that was what we did. Yeah, that's what I did. You know, it's like, especially a female in the business. You know, I was did it in the 90s. You know, there weren't a lot of females doing it. So my partner literally would tell me, don't you dare cry. Don't you dare let them see you cry. And he used to send me in on calls we got canceled on. He was like, you need to go in there and go see this and toughen up. And some of those were very traumatizing calls, right? That's appalling nowadays. We'd be like, don't do it. Oh my you know gosh. You've done it. You know you've done it. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, there is there's a definitely a difference in how I treated calls mm -hmm. early on in my career and at the end. Um, not that I'm done, but um yeah, I got to the point where it was like, I don't want to see that. If I don't have to see it, like if if I understand if I'm the medic in charge, if I'm right. if I have to, that's cool. Right. But if I have an option. I'm good. I don't want to see it. I equate it to exposure, right? You guys limit your exposure to, you know, um, hazardous materials or smoke, all those things. You're very cautious and you report and you write it down and you keep track of, and you're very cautious about your exposure to those things. But I don't see, I mean, it's getting better, like you said, but that's an exposure. It, it, it's an, a mental exposure and they add up just like, you know, a hazardous or chemical exposure would do. So I want to touch on some other things that we deal with when all of a sudden we're not working. Um, mm -hmm. What about that burden of guilt from being away for all those years? 
and okay. now trying to overcompensate it, overcompensate and make everything right. Oh my gosh. You're preaching to the choir right now <laughs> because when my, once my husband started the retirement process and especially when I wrote the first book, my husband had a lot of guilt because there were a lot of things that he didn't realize he was doing. Again, why I wrote the book, that book is also for firefighters. You would learn a lot by reading it also because you get a wife perspective and then my husband writes parts. So you get the first responder perspective in the first book. And then my kids wrote chapters about growing up in it. Um, but so, you know, my husband and I struggled uh, in the beginning. It was, it was hard. And so now he says, and he dotes on me. And I know there's probably tons of wives and husbands that are like, don't be ungrateful. It's what lots of people ask for, but he is very excessively dotes on me and, you know, caters. So I asked him when we moved here to Vegas, it got worse. And I was like, what is up? Like, you do not have to wait on me like this. You do not have to like, I don't know what's going on. And he said, I have a lot of making up to do. And I feel bad for the things I've done, the things I've said, um, you know, that I wasn't there, I wasn't available. And I think part of that coming out of work brain, again, is you got to sit with yourself and you got to kind of do that reflection about you and where you've been and where you're going. And that's just a normal human developmental stage that everybody has to go through. But for first responders, there's a heck of a lot to reflect on about your life and career and things you should have done or wished you'd have done. And so I, I tell my husband all the time, I have no ill feelings. It was, I was our life. It had its ups and downs. You know, it's what I signed up for getting into this career with you, you know, but yeah, he, he's always trying to make up. So the thing is that, that I tell him is 27 years we've been together. I told him, babe, if I was going to leave you, I'd have left you when it was really bad, right? Like 10 years in when it was terrible and then we had two little kids and you we were working all the time and we didn't have any family and we were broke and I was like why would I leave now it's like we've we've taken this journey together we've survived it you don't need to make up for um anything that you've done and so I mean that's not always the case for some people I know but I think it's about and I talk about it in the book you've got to make sure your relationship is in a good place before you retire if you've got cracks in the armor somewhere in your relationship and you know, you need to see counseling before you actually um, retire because then you're home all day with each other and you don't want to get divorced at the end, you know? And I've seen that happen mm -hmm. um, several times now where, yeah, you have somebody who's been with their spouse for 25, 30 years throughout, you know, the whole career essentially. And then all of a sudden they're done retiring. And that also ends up ends a relationship mm -hmm. and, and looking at this now through your book and, and just kind of realizing, well, oh, that's because now all of a sudden they're with each other all the time mm -hmm. and, and it's too much. They're used to, they're used to having that space. And when there's no space. Yeah. And, and we grow accustomed to it. We grow accustomed, especially if you've been together for a long time, we grow across, uh, grow accustomed to, like you said, watching our own shows. You know, I like to put the thermostat where I want to put the thermostat, you know, just those simple things of if I want to eat cereal for dinner, I can. Uh, and so that's all different. The dynamics 
between the two of us. The other thing that I didn't realize, because I thought he's, we were going to have more time together when he retired, but we have actually have less because he took a job. Um, he is an emergency manager at UNLV. And of course I have my practice, so I work. So we really only see each other at night and on the weekends. And so I kind of was like thinking it was going to be more, um, but it's actually not. And I'll tell you what sucks the most is not having midweek days off together to go out on dates. Now we have to go out with the rest of everybody else on the weekends. <laughs> yeah, it's just small, right? It's yeah. a small thing. No, a hundred percent. Cause yeah, I'm used to like having a weekend. Yeah. I work a day, then I have a weekend. I work another day. I have another weekend and it's my own weekend. And now it's like, no, you get Saturday and Sunday like everybody else. Like everybody else. So if you try to go to the movies I'm, or dinner, we actually have to make reservations now because it's the weekends where I've been. Yeah, it's normalized. Mm-hmm. And, it and, and that's actually a great segue because I want to, the next thing I want to talk about is how, how to act normal again, how to oh. interact with civilians. Mm-hmm. Um, that's not something that uh, I think we're really, I mean, it depends on, I guess, the person, but it's not something I'm great at. You know, yeah. I can't say, I can't have a my normal conversation with a normal person because I'm going to cuss and <laughs> just <laughs> be completely inappropriate. Yes, because that's, that's what we do. Um, but it, it is definitely a transition of figuring that out of, um, you know, what population do you want to hang out with also, right? There's some people that maybe get more into their churches or, you know, the other thing we're seeing is a ton of people who still have kids under 18 retiring because they just had kids later or it's a second marriage. Um, so some people I've seen get involved in their kids' sports, like coaching and things like that. So you got to interact with parents. So you got to find that filter. You got to find that politically correct filter to some extent because you can't act like you're at the kitchen table or at briefing or whatever and um just be talking about you know the gruesome stuff or being the inappropriate um names we have for certain populations and things like that like we you you can't do it you can't do it and it's really hard and you have to be really mindful and it's very stressful no you're right that that dark humor too yes i have a funny story my husband it was like the first week he got hired and there's three guys in there uh one his boss is a retired um coast guard and the other guy is a retired um firefighter from the east coast somewhere so my husband gets there and mind you he only took two weeks off between the fire department and then going here so he shows up and like the first day is about lunchtime and he's kind of walking around he goes um so hey uh, what do you guys do for lunch around here? <laughs> and the other guy goes, well, usually when you're hungry, you eat. And so he had no idea how to like have lunch on his own. Uh, it's something so simple, right? As that yeah. he had to start packing lunches. He had, it was so foreign to him. And I know it sounds silly, but it's things like that for 34 years he has either made lunch or sat down with the crew for lunch and dinner. He had a routine. Yeah. Yeah. So now he's had to create something different. Yeah. I do see, you know, your husband reminds me just a lot of 
other firefighters that they retire just to work some more yeah. and maybe do something different or, or whatever. There's, there, I feel like there's either two types of re retirees mm -hmm. where you retire just to work some more, do something different, or like there, there are the handful that retire and they're done. They, yeah. they wake up and they're like, what am I going to do today? And the answer is whatever you want to do today. Yeah. And there's not really that, I don't see the in-between people. I have seen some people that will take part-time jobs because they can't deal with, they don't want to work full-time, but they don't want to wake up whenever they want and do nothing. So I have seen a couple of people, it's in my book, um, the one, I think it's Jim, Jim and Mary. Um, he got a part-time job at FedEx, um, you know, just to keep, just to talk to other people, to keep them busy. Um, but the way that the people that retire, retire and don't work, the only way that that works is they've got hobbies. They got things they enjoy doing because let's be honest, I, I don't care if you're a first responder or not. Retiring and doing nothing is just going to age you so fast and it's just going to like shrink your brain and it's just not good for you. So being active and staying, keeping your, your brain working is how you don't get dementia. Let me ask you about this. Um, when we're on the job, we have a pretty clear purpose. Mm -hmm. But then we retire and that purpose is gone. I mean, what we did for pretty much our adult life is gone. You know, do we have to figure out what our next purpose is? What, what is, you kind, of, you kind of mentioned hobbies or having, you have to have something that keeps you going, right? Yep. You have to have a reason to get up. Everybody needs a reason to get up. And so one of the things I always, I suggest to my clients um, is do a list or a schedule, even if it's a fun list, right? Like it's go work out, go for a walk, go fishing, walk the dogs, even if it's just fun stuff, right? Or run errands, the list will help you feel like you have a pseudo schedule. Um, but if you just are like winging it when you get up, that's going to be really hard for most, not all. There are the rare people that are retire and are perfectly okay with literally waking up and doing whatever feels right in the day, but most are not. So one, before you retire, you know, you need to ramp things up about five years out where you're figuring out what do I want to do? Do I want another job? Uh, what about hobbies? Are there certain hobbies I want to do? you know, figuring out like getting those things and starting them so that you're in the routine of doing these hobbies. <clears throat> One of the things my husband and I, we play golf, but we kind of were just like hit and miss about it. But that's one thing that we picked up more. I even started taking lessons and, you know, we go and play all the time. Uh, the other thing is we committed to one show a month, one big show a month. And obviously we're in Vegas. So you know, the, it's, it's endless on the limits. Um, so you just have to like talk about what it's going to look like and, and how that's going to look for you. So about five years out is what you should start thinking one year out, you should start one living and doing a lot of the things you're going to do when you retire. And two, you need to figure out and try to live on your base salary towards the end. You got to do it. If, if you can do it, um, then I would take any overtime and sock it away, <clears throat> right? But if you can't do it a year out, you're not ready to retire. 
Yeah. You, you need to get your finances together before you can retire. I, I feel like a lot of people are absolutely dependent on, mm-hmm. you know, and not everybody has this or not, but we have the drop program here and they, they're dependent on that. Yep. Like they gamble everything on that because they know that at the end, that's going to get them financially right. They're going to be solid after doing that, after getting a, you know, half million dollars in this extra account. Yeah. And, and that's just a gamble because now you're working into your mid fifties or early sixties, whatever it may be. Your body can't do what it did when you were 20, Mm -hmm. 30 years old. So, you know, my attitude when I get to tell these young kids, because I get to be in front of them a lot of times now and instruct them is, you know, if you want to stay cool, but you shouldn't have to stay, mm-hmm. get your, get your orders, everything set up, um, good to go, everything paid off to, you know, where you don't need it. If you want mm-hmm. to, if you want to continue afterwards and that's fine, but you shouldn't have to be dependent on it. Yeah. I agree. And if, like I said, within that year out, if you cannot live off of your base salary, <clears throat> you may need to rethink your retirement date. Um, because my husband just works because he can't sit around. He'll be bored. So it's not because he has to, it's because he wants to. And he always says he's on my schedule, my time frame now. So when I'm ready to be done, he'll be done. Um, but the other thing that I suggest is calling PERS or your retirement, whatever your retirement or organization is, because that was a very trying and confusing process. I mean, my husband went three different times. They're very vague and confusing. The other thing we found out is the payout that they had estimated did not include me. So if something happened to him after retirement, I would get none of it. So we have to pay a thousand dollars a month to include me, but now I get, uh, if something were to happen to him, I would get all of it, just like he would. But again, that's a thousand dollars a month off of the top of that. So if people aren't prepared for that or haven't gone and talked to their retirement organization, then they don't know that. Now, and that's a big cut off the top. <coughs> and, and probably take your spouses <clears throat> up there when you do go there. Mm-hmm. So they know that because I've also heard stories of, um, just the firefighters going up there and signing whatever, and yeah. and then they pass away, and then their their widow is like finds out I don't have anything. Yeah, and yeah, and it's it's brutal because a lot of not all, but a lot of first responder uh, spouses end up staying home with kids because it just tends to be easier, especially when the kids are little. So I know a lot of spouses that don't have good 401ks or retirement plans because they were home with children and now your spouse dies and you get nothing I mean that's brutal uh, on the spouse and the family so making sure you're talking to PERS before don't just wait till the day you're turning paperwork in call them talk to them they'll talk to you over the phone and explain to you what your payout looks like yep all right well we covered a pretty good amount of stuff i didn't like i said i wanted to kind of just do a preview because yeah. i do want to encourage people to actually get the book yes um is there anything though that you want to touch on that uh, we didn't we didn't talk about already couple things one <clears throat> this book isn't just for those ready to retire because 
most departments, I don't know about yours, but most departments don't have mental health programs for their retirees. So once you're out, you're out. Um, and so, and if they do classes, usually it's on like financial um, stability or financial stuff, not necessarily the mental health. So this book, I feel like helps you prepare for what is actually coming and what, you know, <clears throat> what you can do to get ahead of it. And then the other thing that really shocked me, if you recall in the book, because I did Survey Monkey also for mm. some stats, the percentages of people not having a backup plan is absurd. It's like 76% don't have a backup plan. You all have to have some sort of idea. If you were to get injured today and never be able to return to the job, what would you do? Because that payout, that workers' comp, it takes years to get all that. So you're going to have to figure out what you want to do with yourself. And then, two, I found uh, it was like an 80%-ish around there of first responders that didn't include their significant other in their retirement planning at all. And you've got to, if you plan on retiring with this person, this person needs to know what's coming, whether it be financial, emotional, just what it's going to look like. And so you should always be talking about it. And it's scary. It, I'm not going to lie. It is a scary process. It's a scary process for spouses. So I think spouses and families will benefit from the book too. So they know what's coming um, because they're not getting any education either on it. No, and that's 100% there. Yeah. So, hey, thank you again for your time. Yes, Set aside your <laughs> midday. What, what did you call it? Oh, it's just midday. Yeah, it's 12, one o'clock here. Yes, one yes. So the book, once again, is When the Call Stops. Would you mind letting everybody know where they can actually find this at? It's on Amazon. Um, it's either in paperback or Kindle. It's not, audio, it's not on the Audibles because um, it's a very complicated process. <clears throat> and they only give the author 25%. So, um, so it's not on Audibles, but... It, you can get it on Kindle and the um, Amazon. My other book's on Amazon as well. Perfect. And it's the second book is also, it's not just for fire. I interview and um, my survey monkey is for all first responders dispatch. I even included EMS, which they get forgotten a lot. Mm -hmm. um, and wildland police corrections. It's all for them as well. It's all, all same family. I know it is same family, just different color uniform. Yep. Exactly. Yeah. Yes. So, Minda, thank, thank you. you. Thank you so much for joining us. I hope uh, the viewers and listeners got something out of this. And, and if they want to learn more, grab this book. It really, truly was helpful. It was enlightening. I, you know, I'm again, I'm already working on a lot of this stuff, but um, it helped guide me uh, and think about some things that I wasn't really thinking of. Yeah, so, good. I'm glad. Thank you for having me. Of course. So she's Minda and I am Jim and we're out of time. Bye.